Hello, and thank you for joining me today. My name is Gloria Rogers, and I'm your host. And this podcast is Deprogramming, the Adult Child of the Narcissist. This is an anecdotal, story-based podcast for my audio journal. So let's dive in and get right into it. Episode number one, why deprogramming? We're going to look today at uh, why I chose this title and why deprogramming in itself is so important to the journey of healing and to get myself onto the right track. The concept in itself is not easy and it'll be a little painful. We're going to look at what it means how it correlates with emotional narcissistic abuse and why it is necessary to pursue deprogramming in our own lives. To start this off today, I'll share a little bit more about myself and who I am. Again, I'm Gloria Rogers. I am the seventh child out of eight to my parents. I have four older brothers and two older sisters, and then I have one younger sister. My mother's name was Grace. She is now deceased, unfortunately, and I won't share my father's name as he is still living, and that is the best way I can respect him in this public setting because he is a narcissist in the family. Growing up, I think like many kids, my interests and hobbies have bounced around and changed up a bit. I used to be in into horsemanship, which I would love to get into again, but that ended in my mid-teens at the time. Uh, I loved sketching. I will once in a while still do that. I used to imagine being an author. I had a novel idea, a couple novel ideas, but those never got farther than a couple of chapters and I rewrote several times over the years and I haven't been able to get farther than that. Not far-fetched to say that I was not very good at diligently pursuing hobbies. I used to read a lot of stories, but looking back, a huge part of that was a means of escapism for me. In regards to sports, I was a figure skater. I did it for 16 years and it was one of the few things that I could do that I would stick to. It was where I could be myself. And besides that, I always loved singing. It was uh, a form of prayer in my childhood and I still love to sing today. After high school, I did a gap year. I worked a couple of part-time jobs while upgrading some high school-level courses uh, in math and in physics. Quick bunny trail off of that. I found that the teachers at college were much easier to understand than in high school. After that, I went to Bible school for two years. I went to Cape and Ray Harbor Bible School on Thetis Island, which is just off of Vancouver Island. Their programs are discipleship-based, and the second year focuses on leadership training. These were some of the best years I had had up to that point in time. 
My roommates at the time, though, would probably testify that I was a strange one. I met my husband there, Stuart Rogers. I'll share more of our story on another episode, because it's rather fun. But he is the treasure of my life. God was kind when he brought us together, and I often think that I don't deserve him. We got married in the fall of 2019 at the church we started attending during our time at Bible school. The pastor and his wife there became like another set of parents to me, which was another blessing. After a year and a half, I got pregnant with our beautiful daughter, Ilona, which means as a joy. One of my roommates in my first year at school had the same name, which my husband and I both loved the name, and my roommate there, she was a woman whom we both respected and admired. For those of you who don't know me, as you may have guessed by now, I am indeed a Christian, and I consider it to be very important, so I will freely and loosely share my beliefs. And if that's something that you don't share, don't worry, I'm not going to try to convert you, but my prayer is that God would touch your lives and encourage you all the same. My faith in Jesus Christ and the promises in the scriptures and in the gospel is what has kept my soul from falling into the deepest pits of despair. But that does not mean I am unscathed. I have been to the precipice more than once, and I struggle on a day-to-day basis with the effects of emotional abuse. There are cycles that keep repeating in my mind. I am hypervigilant all the time. There are certain visual or auditory things that send me back in time and I'm caught with an anxiety attack. I freeze. My husband would testify that I kind of have a bit of a mental breakdown on those occasions. Uh, These are just a couple of examples. There's plenty of other things that I struggle with. Many of these struggles, many of these patterns are the reason why I titled this podcast the way that I did. So why specifically deprogramming? What does it mean? The Oxford Dictionary defines deprogramming this way. To release someone from apparent brainwashing, typically that of a religious cult, by the re-indoctrination of conventional values. Let's jump into another definition. This one is from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It says, to dissuade or try to dissuade from strongly held convictions, such as religious beliefs, or a firmly established or innate behavior. So what's the big deal? How does this correlate with emotional narcissistic abuse? I've heard it said by other prominent professionals, such as Dr. Romani, she's a licensed therapist, and Richard Grannon, that narcissists behave in a very similar way to cults and cult leaders. They brainwash in very subtle ways, and they prey on the vulnerable. I'm going to share a quote from Dr. Romani from one of her YouTube videos titled, How Being in a Cult is Like Being in a Narcissistic Relationship. She says, A cult leader, and in brackets, the narcissist, seeks out people who are vulnerable or idealistic. She goes on to say that people who come from really happy homes are vulnerable to narcissistic abuse because they truly believe in saving the world through love and giving second chances. Now that is specific to people who didn't grow up in a home with a narcissistic parent. 
Although emotionally abused people are just as vulnerable, if not more, to the narcissist. I'm highlighting all of this because I believe we need to be cautious. It's a sad thing to fall into abuse of any kind, and I don't wish it on anyone. For myself, I grew up with a narcissist as for a parent, my father. So the dynamic of my situation will be a little different than someone else who was in a relationship with a narcissist. But that doesn't mean we can't relate. In both situations, the abused will struggle with confusion, fear, doubt, uncertainty about themselves. They'll be easily triggered, hypervigilant, suffer from flashbacks, have anxiety attacks, bodily sufferings, anger, moments of mental paralyzation. The list goes on. Who else is with me on this? Who else can relate? These are only a few short examples of a long list of struggles. I know for myself, I am caught in a cycle. I am confused, with brain fog, and I have issues with my memory, and they don't easily go away. I can't seem to shake them off. My goal is to break the cycle, and that's where deprogramming comes in. To find that release from the narcissistic brainwashing, to be dissuaded from the firmly established behavior from years of emotional abuse. There are a few passages in the Bible that I believe are relevant to this process and to understanding in general. The first one I'm going to read is found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good acceptable and perfect. I quoted this passage from my Bible of preference, the NASB. There is hope, and it starts in the mind. Hope for transformation. In and of ourselves, in our own minds, it's where all of our own evil deeds originate from. Our thoughts dictate our behavior. It's another verse I'll quote. James chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. Now I share this not to make accusations, but merely to bring to attention the power of the tongue. Our words carry the power of life and of death. Your soul knows this. My soul knows this. Is it not fair to say that our struggles and pain, which are caused by the wrathful and cruel words of someone we had once trusted so completely, has killed us? Is it wrong to consider ourselves as the living dead? Maybe those are just fancy words to describe something that is almost indescribable. The narcissist thrives crushing someone's individuality, and we ourselves become empty shells, either of who we were before meeting the narcissist, or void of who we could have been, having grown up under the narcissist. We do it to survive. We lose who we are. Knowing this, despite being terribly unpleasant, is good. 
gives us a starting point for recovery. Going back to Romans 12 verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some people talk about the need to discover yourself or rediscover yourself. I don't think that happens when you're traveling the world or even going to college. I firmly believe that the more you distract yourself, the harder it is to answer a very important question. Who am I? Not who am I to my parents? Not who am I to my spouse, to my friends, or even my children. I firmly believe that it takes self-reflection and that takes time. For myself, since I became a stay-at-home mom, and especially since my own mother's passing, I have had nothing but time to get lost in my head. And I have spent that time dwelling about the past more and more. For a very long time, I believed that if I ignored the problem, if I ignored the pain, then everything would be fine. I couldn't have been more wrong. It only worked temporarily when I would distract myself by being busy with work or visiting with friends and family. There were still several times when I would be completely triggered and break down. I still wasn't okay. Life slowed down dramatically for me when I had my daughter, whom I love very much. When she was five months old, my daughter and I road tripped with a sister of mine back to Grand Prairie, Alberta, to visit with family. For a few months before going out, I began to suspect my mother's health was deteriorating, but I hadn't realized how bad it was until we were there and I saw her. I was very afraid that it would be the last time that I would see her. That turned out to be true. She died only a couple of months later. Perhaps grief is what has forced me to look inward and really reflect back in time. I've become more and more aware of how broken I really am. Up until her funeral, I refused to look at the pain and was determined to ignore it. So long as I did, I could live normally, even happily. If the subject and source of the pain was out of sight, then it was out of mind. At least, I thought it was. Small things would creep up at me that would put me into a whirlwind of emotions that were out of control. Things like a certain tone of voice, or a physical gesture, or both, etc. But now, I have a better idea why I respond to things in the way that I do. Part of that is thanks to a non-family member pointing out, after the funeral, how narcissistic my father is. It was pointed out in concern for us and my siblings. Until then, I hadn't known that narcissism could even be a personality disorder. I think most of us just thought he was either bipolar or had some kind of multi-personality disorder. When I started researching information about narcissistic personality disorder, everything seemed to fall into place and make sense. It began to make sense why he never changed, why he seemed to not notice or care about the pain he inflicted, why he always blamed others for his mistakes. I then went on to learn about complex PTSD and began to realize that that is probably what I and most of my siblings were dealing with. 
Because most of us, although not all of us, were never physically abused, we had thought we had no right to consider ourselves victims of abuse. We were told that there were others who have it much worse than ourselves. And that is true. There is absolutely no denying that there are those who suffer much worse than myself. But does that mean I have to ignore myself and my pain? No, that would be unhealthy. It would be an unhealthy approach. How can anyone expect to be helpful to others by ignoring the need to help themselves? So, with all of that in mind, I'm taking the first step towards healing by confessing that I am broken. I am accepting that. In the following weeks and episodes, I'm going to walk through some memories and go over different topics as they arise. As I go along, I'll bring up various scriptures and verses from the Bible. Verses for encouragement for you and for me. Verses that provoke thought and give biblical perspective towards narcissists. All right, I think I've broken the ice here today, sharing a bit of my history, giving a glimpse of my state of mind. But the really important thing I want you to remember and take away with you is that although there may be a toxic cycle within yourself, to not give up hope. Be gentle and kind to yourself in those moments of panic. Don't let the frustration win because you lost control of yourself. As hard as that is, go slowly. Consider your responses and reactions carefully. Ask yourself, in what way has this become a firmly established behavior? That is the question I'll be asking myself. And slowly, ever so slowly, will I work towards dissuading myself from such behaviors. Thank you so much for joining me today. I just asked for a little bit of help in getting the word out. So please, if you're able, please share this episode. I started a group on Facebook with the same title as this podcast with the goal of making it a support group. If you have questions or you would like to share a bit of your story, you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, or email. I may not be a therapist or a psychologist, but I can be a listening ear if that is what you need. So God bless. I hope that your day goes well, and I will see you next week for another episode of Deprogramming, the adult child of the narcissist.